Hello, welcome back to Teacher Talk. This is Miss Bagdanov. Today's episode, we will be discussing Romeo and Juliet's Act 4. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. Scene 1 begins with Friar Lawrence and, the, and Paris in Friar Lawrence's cell because Paris is asking the friar if he could if he would marry him and Juliet. Um, this scene mirrors earlier when Romeo comes to Friar Lawrence to ask for Friar to marry Juliet and Romeo. The ironic thing here is that Paris has no idea that his soon-to-be wife is actually already married. Um, Friar Lawrence says, why so soon? Because he kind of, he acts dumb that he doesn't know that she's already married. And Paris says, the reason why is because Julia is so overcome with tears that me and her father think that marriage will help her grieve the t- the loss of Tybalt. Really, the audience, we all know that the reason why she's so grieved and upset is because Romeo is banished and she just got married to him and now her father has commanded that she marry Paris. Lots of mirroring with similar situations um, here in this scene because then Julia enters and she's there for confession. Friar Lawrence leaves. Paris and Juliet discuss getting married. Um, Paris gives her a really awkward kiss. He says, till then, adieu and keep this holy kiss totally mirrors her first kiss um, or contrasts rather her first kiss with Romeo when they say holy and holy kisses Palmer's too holy kiss that saints may share I forget the full line but the same line reappears in the first meeting but obviously here it's very dark and sad that she is not kissing Romeo but rather kissing Paris So then Juliet and the friar talk. Paris leaves. Juliet starts freaking out on the friar and asking him to help her because she doesn't know what to do. She is quite dramatic in her language, which I want to point out the fact that she almost uses the same words or the same tone that Romeo does with the friar when Romeo first gets banished, um, when Romeo threatens to kill himself, because Juliet does the same thing. She says, and with this knife, I'll help it presently, if you can't help me. Um, And then she actually takes out a dagger in my text. That's what it says. So the fact that she's like revealing a weapon that she uses, she wants to do self-harm with and kill herself is quite alarming. So of course the friar is going to jump on the chance to help them he already promised Romeo that he would but even more so the friar needs to act quickly and urgently and with security so he can comfort Juliet keep in mind we know that the kids die I call them kids because she's barely she's not even 14 yet um we know that they will die so this is just showing to lead All of this is leading up to their treacherous and terrible and heartbreaking death. Um, So the friar says, hold off, daughter. I do spy a kind of hope. This is what the friar's plan is. Now, you got to, like, just let go in Shakespeare land of the logistics and the science behind these magic potions, okay? 
at the time, they just would have accepted it. So you just need to like go with it. The friar somehow has a potion that will make Juliet appear dead or unconscious for 42 hours. So the friar says, take this before you go to sleep tonight. And in the morning, they'll come to get you for your, for your wedding and you will look dead. So instead of having a marriage, they will have a funeral and they'll place you in your family's tomb. And there I will meet you with, I'll have Romeo come back from Mantua to get you out of the tomb. And then you guys can go on your happily merry way. Grave things are going to happen. We just know that. So the fact that the friar says everything will end up in the grave is metaphorical just as it is literal. Um, which is terribly sad. She is so quick to take it. She says, give me, give me. Oh, tell me not a fear. Takes the vial. Drink. She takes it away. Um, or she doesn't drink it there. Excuse me. She drinks it later on, but she's so quick to just jump on board with this plan. Um, which in theory sounds like it might work. The way that the friar is going to get let Romeo know that she's not actually dead is he's going to send someone to Mantua, a letter, send someone to Mantua that has a letter explaining this whole thing. And then Romeo will know that everything's okay and he'll come back. Let's see how that unfolds. Act four, scene two. Literally all that happens is Juliet returns to say that she's confessed her sins. Her father had asked her to go to confession to confess after their whole fight. Um, And obviously she didn't necessarily do that, but she was talking with the friar. So she comes back, says she did that. Her dad is overjoyed. He says, I'm going to get ready for the marriage. Juliet and the nurse um, get ready for sleep. Obviously, we all know that Juliet's about to take this potion. The nurse does not know anything, by the way, so just keep that in mind. That's literally all that happens in scene two. Okay, scene three of act four. Um, This is right before Juliet goes to sleep. Juliet and her mother say goodnight to her. Again, they don't know what she's about to do. Once they leave, Juliet has her famous monologue um, that many people reference right before she takes the, the potion. She talks about being fearful. She says, I have a faint cold fear thrills through my veins that almost freezes up the heat of life. Uh, so metaphorically, yeah, she has a lot of fear physically. That's like what's going to happen to her. She's not actually going to die yet, but... Here she is thinking that um, this, this fear of it makes her feel that way, which is ironic. Um, she calls out for the nurse. That's something I noticed this time around. She calls for the nurse to come for her, which is no surprise really, but it's quite interesting and confirms that the nurse is really her only comfort and not her mother. So again, revealing the dysfunction in the Capulet family and how that might be contributing to her state of depression, state of isolation. Um, And so the fact that she's doing this on her own without the nurse really shows how isolated Juliet is 
and how literally isolated Romeo is, the two of them, in this moment uh, as he's off in Mantua. So she says, um, goes on a bunch of musings about what if this mixture does not work? Will I be married then? Do I have to marry Paris? And then she says, no, this shall forbid it. She looks at the dagger, points tone to the dagger, and she's like, no, I'll kill myself if I have to do it. Um, but then she says, what if this is a poison that actually does kill me because the friar gave it to me? He married two enemy families. Um, maybe he wants to kill me because he doesn't want to be dishonored. So then she talks herself out of that because, no, he's a holy man. He wouldn't do that. Another scenario she thinks of is, what if I'm laid into the tomb? I wake before the time that Romeo come to redeem me. Um, that's a fear. There's a fearful point. So she's scared of suffocating. She's, she's super scared of dying in that way. Um, she also starts having like this vision of Tybalt and Tybalt's bones walking around in the room. Um, she doesn't want to be taken over by the evil of what could be when you die. Um, she says, what if Tybalt's ghost threatens to kill me? Um, she's already being haunted by these ideas and these thoughts. Um, I don't, she says, uh, methinks I see my cousin's ghost seeking out Romeo that did spit his body upon a rapier's point. So she's having this almost hallucinogenic, uh, vision of seeing Tybalt's ghost, coming after Romeo for revenge. So right as she's having this uh, hallucination or vision or image, she says, Romeo, 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 here's drink, I drink to thee. Which has to harken you back to the famous balcony scene where she says, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Calling out to him um, in love. And here she is, you could argue doing the same thing. Um, she's doing this, risking this, risking all of her fears in order to hopefully and eventually be with Romeo. And the language reflects that. Scene four opens with the nurse and Lady Capulet coming into Juliet's chamber to wake her up to get married. And lo and behold... They find her, what they think, is dead. Um, She is dead to them. She looks dead. Um, The nurse is in great distress. She's asking for help. Um, They are all in a state of great distress because obviously this is not what they expected or thought because she is so young and... She was supposed to get married today. The things that are interesting about this is Lord and Lady Capulet are so distraught. They're so in grief when just hours before, practically, they were saying these horrendous things to their daughter about living out on the streets, getting rid of her, that she was a curse and having that Juliet was a curse to their family. And here they are just grieving, which I think shows their true colors, that they 
really are just sad, broken people that think that they just lost their daughter. Um, there's a lot of language about lament, woeful, which brings me back to the prologue. Never was there a story of more woe of this, of Julia and her Romeo. Lots of grief here. We know, dramatic irony, that she is not dead in actuality, that she is alive. Um, So the friar shows up and he tries to reassure the family and say, don't worry, heaven and yourself had part in this fair maid. Now heaven hath all and all the better is it for the maid. Um, Your part in her you could not keep from death, but heaven keeps his part in eternal life trying to comfort them by saying don't worry she's heaven which this imagery again um is recurring her celestial imagery her celestial state even though the friar knows that she's not actually dead he's trying to bring peace to the family because that's what his job is and so they start turning everything into a funeral um obviously a great turn a great shift for this family a huge shock. Um, the thing that you need to keep aware of when you're reading this is that you know that the friar knows she's not actually dead. So if you were to put yourself in her sh- his shoes, could you keep up this facade? I don't know. If you saw this family that was so distraught with real, real grief, and yet you knew that she wasn't actually dead would you still try to convince them that she's in heaven? It goes to show that the friar really believes that this marriage between Romeo and Juliet might actually end the decades-long years of fighting between these two families because that's one of the reasons why he decides to marry the two of them and help them along. So he must have great faith in this marriage in, of Romeo and Juliet to actually stop this gruesome fighting. But... At the price of these families thinking that their children are dead when in reality they're not. Um, obviously, we know that it ends in real death and we'll get there in Act 5. The end of scene 4, I just want to mention, Shakespeare throws in some comic relief with the musicians and the nurse. Um, they kind of have this like banter back and forth about what to do for the service. Um They just make some jokes about it. Um, Yeah, in tragedies of Shakespeare, you have usually the lowly characters. So the characters that don't have a lot of power and status are are pivotal, but they're also side characters are used for a lot of comic relief, especially in this charged, heightened scene of grief and sadness. All right, stay tuned for Act 5. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week on Teacher Talk. This is Ms. Pagdall, out.